Last week I began this series called An Annual Checkup, and we are dealing with our four pillars, if you want to call them, of what being a disciple is. And, that, and they're found there on the banners on our wall. Pastor Robert causes us and helps us to remember them weekly. He, he goes over them again and again because it is vital for us to get the language down, but not just the language. The language should be changing our mind. The language should be changing our way of being, and so us learning who we are is going to help us get to where God wants us to get to as individuals as well as as a body. And so we started last week talking about love, and we ended the message dealing with your first love, talking about you having God as your first love and we were we were we, I, I was talking about how this church in the book of Revelation the church of Ephesus was a church that was doctrinally sound they were a church that had it all together a church that knew what the what what the teachings were they knew I mean they they, they were strong they were fervent they wouldn't let evil in they weren't they weren't tolerating of sin but God came to them and said to them that they had left their first love they had walked away from their first love and it's amazing because as you know I I, I want to touch on this because as we sit down and we really contemplate this church they weren't you know God didn't go and tell them hey you guys are a bunch of fornicators he didn't say hey you guys are a bunch of alcoholics he didn't say any of those things to them their sin was that they had left their first love the reason why they were about to be blown away the reason why they were being rebuked by Jesus was because they had left their first love so it wasn't because they were doing all kind of heinous sin it wasn't because they were having hidden sin in their life it was simply because of what they were not doing they weren't spending time with the one who created them, with the one who saved them, with the one who delivered them. And that is the greater sin than anything else. And I want to finish a quote that I started last week. It's important for us to understand this. And it is that the Ephesian believers were so busy maintaining their separation that they were neglecting their adoration of God. And we've got to realize that labor is no substitute for love. Neither is purity a substitute for passion. The church must have both if it is going to please God. We must have labor, but we must have love. We must have purity, but we must also have passion. If we don't, we're not going to please him, church. And so last week we dealt with the loving God portion of us being a disciple. And this week I'm going to preach a message entitled, And They Continued. Speaking of the disciples, they continued in a certain way of life. We see the birthing of this church. And what I love is that as you go through the book of Acts, and we just came out of the study from this book, you find that the church never changed its devotion. All it did was got better. Hello. It, did, it didn't change its devotion. It didn't change its commitments. All it did was got deeper in its commitments. It grew in maturity in its commitments. That is what the church did, and that's what the church should be doing today. One of the primary results that we will find of truly loving God will be our love for others. This includes, but is not limited to, our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our enemies, and the unsaved. When you really love God, the result is love for others. And, it's, and, and, and here's the thing, is that if your love only extends to your immediate family and friends, then you have an issue. Hello? If your love only extends to them, but your love doesn't promote forgiveness when you're wronged, hello. 
your love doesn't promote a compassion for the lost, then guess what? You've got to get a heart check because you need to grow in maturity into that love that you are, are having with Christ. You've got to get to that place. Now, there are people, obviously, you know, different places in their love, different places in their walk with Christ, and they come to the Lord, and I've seen it where they come to God, and, you know, they get on fire, and, you know, as a matter of fact, I've seen it in the mirror. Hallelujah. Me, right here. Use me as an example. I won't use nobody else. Just me. When I first got saved, anybody that knew me when I first got saved, I was passionate for God. I loved God, but I had a little chip on my shoulder. Hello? Why? Well, because I was looking at all these other people that they, you know, man, they don't love, they don't love God like I love God. Mm-hmm. Looking at all these other folks, comparing my praise, my worship to them, comparing my devotion, comparing my knowledge to Scripture. And so, you know, it started that way. But then I started to have a real, real, realize something. As, as time progressed, I realized that I had an issue loving folks. I had a problem with that. And so what did I do? I came before the Lord and I said, man, I know Scriptures, but I got a problem loving people. You know, I pray, but I have a problem loving folks. I, I have an issue with this. And you know what I did? I sat down in the scriptures and I started to meditate on what love was. And slowly but surely, as I began to grow in love, that little chip started to break. Hello. That little attitude started to come off of me. I started to realize or started to look at people not through the eyes of my pride and my arrogance, but I started to look at them through the eyes of love. I started to see things from a different perspective, and that is what has to happen to us, church, if we are really going to be growing in this love. Why is this important, and how does this tie into us growing together? See, today in our modern age, there is something that most ages didn't have, and it is that we are able to do almost everything remote. Listen, you, you barely got to leave your house for anything. Did you hear me? Get on the internet, you can do whatever you need to do. You definitely ain't got to leave the house to go to church. Hello. In some people's mindset. Because they think going to church is to turn around the channel, listen to someone preach, and they're good to go. And now we've made it even easier because you can go to our website and you can log in there and guess what? You can make a donation. Hallelujah. So you can do, you can be, you can be on the record books of a church and never step in the door. Did you hear what I just said? You could be a tithing member to a church and never ever met any of the people in the church and you know what is preached and all of that stuff, but that doesn't make you part of the body of Christ. Hello? Why is this important for us, church? It's important for us because we have to grow together. And in our present-day scenario with our technology, making every, everything, you know, remote access possible. And I want to talk about this word remote for a moment. Because when you look at this word remote, you know how you go in your little word thing and you go and click on synonyms and stuff like that. And you can see all of the different synonyms for the word remote. Well, I did that. And I looked up the word remote and what it meant. And it meant distant. It meant isolated. It meant inaccessible. It meant Far flung, far off, in the sticks, secluded, out of the way, far away, apart, detached, withdrawn or inaccessible. Hello. So when you are remote, that's what you are. You're inaccessible. You're withdrawn. You're to yourself. That's not Bible. That's not Christianity, church. I don't, I don't care how many scriptures you know. 
It does not. You are not going to be as effective as God wants you to be if you are not truly growing together with the body of Christ. And let me help you to realize something. Growing together in the body of Christ does not just mean coming to Sundays, nor does it just mean coming to Wednesdays, nor does it just mean coming to fellowships. It means having community. It means having life together. It means sharing not just moments but life. There's a difference, church. And we see this church that is vitally growing because there was something deeper. And it all came out of what? A revelation of who Jesus Christ was. Came out of a revelation of who he was. And when we understood who he was, we now became connected to one another because the same way that we need him, we need each other. The same way that we need the Savior, we need each other. Here's what we've got to understand is that Christianity is about relationship, church. It is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. How do we get that, those things flowing the way they're supposed to? Well, it's not by you being alone. Cut off your arm and throw it over there. See how long it's going to live. You're not going to be able to contribute to your arm other than looking at it and saying, I bendito. Poor baby. Wish I could reconnect that. And slowly you will watch that arm die. Because what? It's not connected to the circulatory system. It's not connected to what provides what is vital for life. This is what growing together is about, church. It's about us growing in relationship the way the scriptures teach. The first thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. The foundation for real relationships is the reception of the word. Look with me to chapter 2 over here in verse 41. And he says here, then those who gladly receive the word. Let's just pause there. Because everything else that goes on from this point on is dealing with these people. Those who gladly received the word. Those who received what, what the, the apostle Peter was preaching. Everything grew from here. And so what does it really mean to receive the word? Because, see, a lot of folks think that receiving the word is coming to church, saying an amen, man, that was for me, or whatever the case is, and that's the end of it. That's not true, church. What does it really mean to receive the word? Because when I looked up the definition, it shook me for real. Because I looked at this definition, and obviously it is a word that it means. It just means to receive. It means to accept what is being said. But it's a compound Greek word. And the two words, when you look and you break down that compound, you go to the first word. The first word means of separation. The second word means to take with the hand. And so when I sat there and I began to meditate on this and I began to understand what is supposed to happen when we hear the word of God. When we hear the word of God, the word of God is supposed to separate us. It is supposed to take us away from sin because when our Savior Jesus prayed, he said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. In other words, separate them from sin, separate them from the things that are not good for them. This is what he was communicating. So what happens when we really receive the word of God? When you and I really receive the word of God it means that while the word of God is coming into our life whether it is through preaching whether it is through our own bible study whatever it is we are literally taken captive by the truth and at the same time we are set free from sin did you hear me church that's exciting to me 
When we really hear the word of God and receive it, what is happening is literally the hand of God is stretching out into our lives, gripping our hearts, and pulling us out of sin and separating us to his love. That is what it means to receive the word of truth. So if you sit there and you're falling asleep, I doubt you're hearing the word. If you're sitting there counting the minutes, counting, okay, that's Bishop's first point. Let's see if we're going to repeat number two. Let's see if we're going to repeat number three. I highly doubt you're receiving. If you're sitting down reading your Bible and you are constantly falling asleep, hello? I, I, I don't know that you're receiving the word, church. Because if you're receiving the word, you are attentive to what God is speaking to your life. And that word is drawing you away from everything else. Because that word is gripping your heart. So this is what happened to these people here. These people heard the word that the apostle Peter was preaching. And when he preached that word with passion and with power, they were there. The Bible says they were cut to the heart because the hand of God is entering in. And we know that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So as the word of God is going in, it is cutting them. It is pulling them. And they're asking, what do we need to do? Glory to God. When we are hearing the truth of God, we're asking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do with this truth? Not just, oh, that was a good word. Listen to me, church. That is not it. Mental assent, emotional acknowledgement, tears, and all that stuff do not mean that we have really received the word of God. Action alone declares that we have heard the word of God. These people received the word, and what did they do? They were baptized. These people heard the word of God, and they got committed to the body of Christ. They began to grow in this relation. Let's keep on reading and see what happened when they received this word. So it goes on and says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let's pause for a moment. Because look at what happens. They heard the word the first time. The word of God penetrated their hearts. And the first thing that we see them committed to is not emotionalism. Hello? The first thing we see them committed to is not the fellowship. The first thing we see them committed to is not the breaking of bread. The first thing we see them committed to is not prayer. The first thing that we see them being devoted to is the apostles' doctrine, the word of God. They were devoted to the teachings. And, and listen, when we're talking about the apostles' doctrine, understand this. They didn't have the New Testament like we have it, church. Did you hear me? They didn't have this New Testament like we have it. They had the Old Testament. That's all they had. You know what the apostles were doing? They were taking the Old Testament and they were teaching. They were expounding the scriptures and helping these people to understand the grace of God through the law and also through the prophecies that were there in the scriptures, helping them to grow in their relationship. That is what they were doing. They're preaching the word of God, and these people were devoted. When it says that they were devoted, it does not mean that they were just coming to church all three times a day to preach pray and to hear the word that is not what it means when it says that they were devoted to God you know what that means that means that they were committed to the scriptures not just to hear them but to live them devoted so 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 growing together requires that we are devoted to these scriptures Growing together requires that we are devoted to what God says because what happens? Well, the next thing goes on and they're devoted to the fellowship, the konania, the relationship. You know that word, konania, it means intercourse. 
intimacy. Remember, I just said this a moment ago, going together isn't just about us coming to church functions. Hello. It's about us sharing life. It's about me. I, I want you to think about this for a moment. This is a real test to see how much you're really growing together with people. How many people's names do you know in this church? Oh, nobody knows my name. How many names do you know? Because mm-hmm. it goes both ways, you know. Because it's real easy for us to just be like, oh, you know, nobody knows my name. Uh, okay. How many names do you know? Right? Even if you don't know their name, let me ask you this. How much time do you spend on your face before God praying for your brothers in this place? How much, this is part of growing together, church. How much time, Lord, I don't know their name, but you know their name. Pastor Robert says that all the time when he don't know somebody. Hello? I don't know them. You know their name. Brother Norbert said it this morning. We was praying. Listen, I don't know them. You know them, but I see them in church. And even though I haven't been able to connect with them, Lord, I'm lifting them up. Remember, this growing together thing is a circulatory system. It is the way that God is going to speak to lives. Why is it important for me to know my brother's name? Well, first of all, I can pray for them. Second of all, I can invite them, hello, to go eat somewhere. Oh, we broke. It don't matter. You eating something, glory to God. Take your two broke self to the house and make some burgers or something. I don't know. But you, you, you ain't got to go to Tijuana Flats. Like, we're going to go because we got a little card last night. Hallelujah. Rob somebody. Praise the Lord. We feel, we feel good about that robbery. It wasn't a bad one. It was, it was all in the game and the rules. Praise the Lord. You, 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 you don't have to go to some expensive restaurant in order to have relationship. Man, make some sandwiches. Have some coffee. Break some bread and communicate about the love of God and get to know one. This is how you share community. Getting to know each other. Then when you pray, that face is not just a name now, but it's a person that you know. And then, you know, here's the beauty of this. In some situations, people need to open their mouth and say, hey, you know, I have a need. But you know what is beautiful? This is what is beautiful. What is beautiful is when folks are really praying for each other. And the Holy Spirit just puts in your heart and says, you know what, I just want you to go and bless somebody. That's sharing, church. Because you know what? God Almighty knows every single need that you have. He knows every single situation that you're facing. And, 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 and when we are really committed to that growing together, getting to know my brothers and sisters, wanting the well-being in their lives to continue to manifest and to flourish, something begins to happen. Our hearts are knit together. Your needs become my needs. Your situations become my situation. Your hurt becomes my hurt. Your joy becomes my joy. Your whatever you're going through becomes my burden. Why? Because I love you for real for whatever reason we think that it's just the leadership's responsibility to carry the burden for the people that's not true hold on a second let's look at our new testament that we have the bible shows us that we have this priesthood of all believers amen somebody because you know you got plenty of folks well i don't need anybody to tell me anything okay well listen to god then i bet you god will tell you some things that other people are telling you too hallelujah but listen priesthood Of all believers, that means that God wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. He wants to supply through you. He wants to bless through you. So we find that they were committed to the apostles' teaching. So how how, how committed, remember this is a checkup now, how committed am I to this word? 
How committed am I to the studying of the word of God? How committed am I to coming and hearing the teachings that are taught in this church? Because I'm part of this family here. I'm part of this body here. So how committed am I to come and hear the teachings? And listen, I want to encourage you because I know that sometimes, you know, we teach the same thing over again. I know. And that seems to be the ticket for folks to just sit at home and say, well, you know, I already heard that teaching. I'm going to just look down because I don't want to look at anybody in particular. Listen to me, church. I've heard John Bevere like four times. Every time that I hear that teaching, and listen, it's not like sitting down with Pastor Roberts teaching a mentoring program. It's different because this is a pre-recorded message. Did you hear what I just said? This is something that was pre-recorded, something that does not change one word, no, no inspiration in the moment, okay? Other than the inspiration that was there, there's nothing that happens like he was praying for this class and all of a sudden God said, look, I'm going to give you this outline, but the Lord put this in my heart for me to... None of that happens in John Bevere. Hello. The reason why I'm pointing that out is because that happens here in the Faith Dumb Fellowship. I know you heard it all, but you ain't heard it all. Because God has something to say to you. And you know what? Here's, here's, here's the thing that just amazes me. Folks don't need to hear teaching again, but they're not applying the principles from the first time. But I don't need to hear it again. Did you hear what I just said, church? I know you don't know it all. You need to hear it four, five, six times so it will get into your spirit and become part of your lifestyle. Hello, somebody. What, 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 what do you think that God repeated himself over and over and over again throughout the word of God? Why? Because folks want to get, read, read the epistles of the apostle Paul. See how much he says the same stuff over and over and over again. Listen, how devoted are you to hearing the teaching? Listen, that, you know what? I heard that teaching. That should have you on your face even more praying for the teacher that's going to teach that God would give him an inspiration so you can get a revelation that you didn't get the first time. Trust me. Trust me, if you're devoted to the teachings that God has given to this house, if you're devoted to the teachings of the scriptures, every time you hear the word, you're going to get something new. I heard, I, heard, I heard about a preacher who preached every Sunday or whatever it was from the same scripture for an entire year. And every Sunday, something fresh from God. Because what? That's how God is. But when I devoted to that, what happens? We get laxed, laid back, not allowing God to do what he wants to do. So we continue on and we find that there was this devotion to the apostles' teaching. Then there was the devotion to Konania, to fellowship, to the social intercourse, to the sharing, to the intimate relationship, getting to know more than just your first name, more than just your last name, getting to know some other things about you, getting into a relationship. That's what happened. This, this, this is a church that's growing together. That's what it looks like. Committed to that. Moving on, they say that they were committed to the breaking of bread. So what is that? That's the communion. They're committed to record. See, because when we come together, Hearing the teaching of the doctrine, we come together and have this fellowship with one another, then it is important for us to recognize what brought us together. What brought all of us into this place today was the same sacrifice made on that cross. 
That is what brings us together week after week. That is what brings us together as brothers and sisters. We, some of us, would never know each other. We're in different age groups. Hello. We have different interests and different likes. But you know what? Something brought us together. So you know what they did? They celebrated the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the soon coming return. Because what did Jesus say? Every time you do this, you're remembering my death. So what are you doing? You're looking at his death, you're looking at his burial, and you're looking to his return until he returns, church. So we have these people that are devoted to the apostles' teaching. They are devoted to, to, to the fellowship and the sharing, and they're devoted to, to celebrating what it is, that, is good, that, that brought them together, what it is that has united them in faith. And then it says, and they were devoted to prayers. See, I can't, I, 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 this right here is the biggest, the biggest thing for me because you know what? A lot of people, they like to hear good preaching, good teaching. Say amen if you like that. People like to hear what God has to speak, and that's good. People, you know, they like to get together with some folks. Not everybody, but, you know, they like to get together with certain people. They have their, you know, their people that they like to connect with and stuff. Okay, that's beautiful. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily connect with everybody, but you know what? They do make those connections. Praise the living God. And then, you know what? Other folks, they really, you know, they, they understand why, whether it's from a traditional sense or what we've learned here, there's a reason why we do communion. They understand that. But when it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, church, Listen, I'm going to just say it like this. 9 o'clock in the morning when prayer starts here, where you at? Where you at? Taking a shower? Wrong place. Just turning over your third time in the bed? Wrong place. We're a church. We're supposed to be committed to prayer. Amen, somebody. Okay. So where you at? 9 o'clock. This place, look, 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 look around. Look around real quick. Look around, look around, look around, look around, look around. Pretty full, isn't it? Amen. So that means that prayer should look like this. We shouldn't be able to make a circle up here. We should be able to look. I'm just going to pray from this mic. Let me encourage you another way too. Prayer time at 9 o'clock doesn't mean you come to church and talk to your friends until 10 o'clock. I know. Ain't light for no one. Praise the Lord. The beauty of it was that the apostles, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see them, you know, tripping about prayer. I got to trip about prayer, glory to God. Come to prayer. Come to seek the face of the Lord. Listen, I understand some of us had little kids, and that, and, and that is an issue. That is an issue. I, 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 I totally understand that. So if you have a little child that, you know, it's, it's a little bit more. Look, God bless you, all right? And forgive me if I offended you, you know, in any way, shape, or form with that motion, okay? But what I'm saying is, I understand certain things. I'm not so harsh and hardcore. If you were up until 3 o'clock in the morning the night before working, doing something responsible, not at the movies, hello? I'm just staying up late because it's Saturday night. Hold on a second. Listen. Prayer. They were, the, but, 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 but here, here, here it is. Here it is. Here it is, church. I don't want to just get you to come to church to pray because that's nothing. It's going to be dead up in here. Folks are going to be falling asleep, sitting down in chairs, you know, putting their head down like this, acting like they're holy and just having a revelation from God, trying to get fresh visions and all kind of stuff like, Lord, you know, I don't really want to be here, but Bishop said, no, 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 that, that, that's not the right mindset. Listen, it is us coming out of prayer at home 
in our prayer closet at home that will drive us to get here early because we want to be a part of the atmosphere in the house of the Lord. We're not going to leave it up to Bishop and a couple of other folks who are here consistently. We're not going to do that. We want to be part of the crying out because what? We're not selfish Christians. Hello, somebody. We want to be there to seek the face of the Lord. Let me tell you something. The most awesome services that we have had have been the services when our prayer time here has been awesome. Hear me. It never fails. I can always tell. I can always tell how the service is going to be from this prayer circle. Every time. You could, you, matter of fact, ask me every Sunday, Bishop, what's it going to be like today? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> prayer is indicative of where we're going to go or not going to go. Like I said it to Pastor Lewis last night, I said, look, man, I've said this before, and I just repeat it because, you know, sometimes I don't repeat stuff because obviously, you know, I think you've already heard it, but some of you may have not heard it, and if you didn't, I'll just say it again because you might get something new out of it. Amen. Amen. But I said, here's the thing. You don't come to church to fill yourself up. You come to church to overflow. Here's the key, church. When you come to the house of the Lord already full, it don't take 30 minutes for you to get into it. Because you know what happens? The moment you walked in the door, my overflowing overflowed into you. Your overflowing overflowed into me. And you didn't need any ramping up, amping up, motivating, cheerleading. You didn't need any of that stuff. You understood, like we said today, you have breath, you're breathing. I've got to praise him and give him glory. And so now it will overflow. And that changes the atmosphere. But where does it come from? Emotional highs and lows, no church. It comes from prayer. Listen. There's going to be some weeks that you have a greater burden for prayer than others. It's going to happen. There's going to be some times that you're going to get down in your prayer closet and you are going to sense the glory of God. And I want you to understand something. When I say that I can tell how it's going to be by our prayer time, it's not because I feel something and, you know, emotionally. No, I can sense the atmosphere. I can sense when there is like a weight of thickness in the atmosphere. And so it's not that because there are times that I'm praying and I don't feel all of this great, glorious anything. But, man, I just know. God is there and as we begin to seek him and we begin to go after him you know what happens we begin to change the atmosphere automatically and, and, and we we have that responsibility we have that right church to approach the almighty God read the book of Hebrews it says it clearly that we can come to the throne room of grace with boldness with confidence we can come there knowing that what we have an audience with God we have God's full attention when we come into his presence and so when we get there even we would know when we don't feel it, he's still there. And so there's going to be some weeks that you are going to be boo-hoo crying. Just broken, I mean, praying for the service like they ain't nobody's business. And other weeks that the boo-hoo crying is not there, you don't feel the same inspiration, but can I challenge you? Cry out harder. Can I challenge you? Pray longer for that service. Because you never know, God may be trying to do something inside of you, teach you how to birth something in prayer. Amen? This was a church that was devoted to prayer, but it was a result of what? It was a result of a devotion to the word of God. They were devoted to the word of God, and the word of God promoted action. The second thing I would like for you to repeat after me, say this, the fear of the Lord and awe of God are vital to our devotion to one another. See, when I am standing in awe of God, 
When I am standing in awe of who he is, when I am overwhelmed by who he is and what he's doing and what he's done in my life, it's easier for me to forgive folks when they do things wrong. Hear me? Because I am more consumed with him than with all that foolishness. Hear me, church? When we are consumed with God, when we are standing in awe of him, our perspective on life, our perspective on people, all of it changes. Why? Because I am standing in awe and reverence of who he is. And the reality is there are too many people who call themselves Christians today who lack the fear of God and do not stand in awe of his greatness. Too many folks call themselves children of God. Everything else under the sun has their attention except him. How do you know? How do you know if, he, if you really fear him? It, it, because when we look at this word fear, I don't want you to think that it's just like dread and, you know, oh my goodness, because there is a part that is like that. Because there should be a part in you that understands how great, how powerful, how mighty, how holy, how pure he is. When you look at what Jesus suffered on the cross, hear me, church. When you look at what he suffered on the cross, you get to understand, man, I need to fear him. That's what he did to his son. Or y'all didn't hear me. That's what he did to his son. That's what the father that's what the father did to his son. It wasn't it wasn't us that put Jesus on that cross. It was his father. It wasn't us who sentenced him to death. It was his father said, listen, I want to save humanity, and I am holy, and none of these people are going to be able to live up to my standard. Therefore, I am going to send my pride and my joy to this earth for what? To die in my place. To die in their place so they can have salvation. We've got to understand that, church. When we're looking at this cross, that should cause us to really understand the full wrath of God. Understand that if he would not spare his son, our God is really holy. But then there is this other part of this fear that is not the one that is, that is shaking and trembling and running away from him, but it is the one that keeps you bowed before him. It is the one that understands as holy as he is, as righteous as he is, as pure as he is, he loves me. And because of that, I stand in awe of who he is. Look at what the scripture goes on to say here in chapter, in, 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 in verse, in verse in chapter 2, verse 43. It says, then fear came upon every soul. Every soul that was there was standing in awe of God. What I love is the way that the writer, and in none of the, in, 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 in none of the interlinear Bibles or anything that, you know, they usually flip words around because what happens is the writing is different. And so sometimes when you look up in like the interlinear Bible and you see where the words are placed, you'll see that this word is before that one. And it's just, you know, in English, it doesn't make sense that way. So it's the words are all there. It's just to say it in English, it comes out a little different. Well, in this particular case, that's not it. The first word, the first phrase in that sentence is after we see this devotion to prayer and this devotion to breaking bread, this devotion to fellowship, this devotion to the apostles' doctrine, it says, then fear came upon everyone. So everyone wasn't standing in awe only because, I don't want to disqualify, but they weren't standing in awe only because of all of the powerful miracles that were going on. They were standing in awe because they were getting a revelation of who God was on their own time. They were getting a revelation of the great of God because of their devotion they were seeing God at a whole different level and so it says there that fear came upon every soul not some souls hello 
and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44 says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. All of them were there. They believed. You said you were a believer. There was no question about this. This is what you were devoted to. You were committed to these things, and the fear of God was moving you. Here's what we've got to realize is that it is this fear of God that causes us to have this expectation of what God wants to do. When you really stand in awe of God, when you really stand in awe of who he is, when you really stand in awe, when, and, and see, when we are devoted to this word and we begin to read and we begin to see what God is saying and what God has done, we begin to see his promises. We begin to stand in awe of him. And when we come together, there's an excitement, church. We want to be together because what? We want to see what God is going to do. Hello. And so this expectation and this participation, it's all a result of our intimacy and our own time with the king of glory. Because that is what is going to produce this awe of God. The bottom line is this, church. You cannot fake awe and you cannot fake fear. When awe and fear of God are real, Christ is all that matters. Amen? When awe and fear of God are real, all that matters is Christ. They show it here because they talk about their possessions like their possessions aren't anything. Look, 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 look what it says here. It says so in, in verse 44. It says, now all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Listen, they weren't holding on to stuff tight because Jesus got a hold of their life and they wanted to share with everyone. They wanted to make sure that no one was lacking, that no one was doing without. They wanted to make sure that they were being a blessing and that's all they realized. They said, you know what? Everything that we have is simply for us to be a blessing. That's all it is. It's simply for us to be a blessing. The third thing that we look at in this growing church is, and say this with me, if we remain committed to the foundational principles in the scriptures, the same fruit will be the result. We see this commitment to the word of God. We see these commitments to all of these things that are there. Primary principles, very simple. Not all the whistles, you know, gadgets and everything that we have today. None of that stuff. They were simply committed to these core principles all throughout. And we see these wonderful and glorious results. Looking in verse 46, he says, so continuing daily with one accord. Now their devotion, they're showing it. It's daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with simplicity and gladness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We find the commitment to the core principles. Simple. They were devoted to the apostles teaching they were devoted to the word of God they were devoted to each other they were committed to each other that commitment to each other they're committed to the communion and the recognizing this is why we come together and they're committed to also being those people that that are crying out to God we know in the next chapter we see they were coming to the house of the Lord for the hour of prayer they had three hours of prayer these people weren't coming to church once a day they were coming to church a couple of times, a few times a day for prayer. Obviously, that is not a reality in our day. So I am definitely not saying you need to be in the house of the Lord every day to pray. If you want to be here, let me know. I'll make sure that I'm here and you can open the doors and come pray. Praise the Lord. But listen, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is these people were committed to seeking the face of God. They were committed to this growing together. And what was the result, church? 
the result was we see that they were praising God. We see that people were being added to their number daily. We see that they had favor with all men. This is what we see. So what do we see? We see a church that was unified. We see a church that was magnified. And we see a church that was multiplied. We see a church that had every, they were in one accord. They were together in passion. That's what that word means. They were together in passion. They were all equally passionate for the word. And when one started to slip up, the other one would encourage him. You can't, you can't be slacking like that. You know, they all had the same reverence and devotion to the things that they were doing. They were all together, church. And because of that being together, because of having that mindset, we see these glorious and wonderful results. We see this church that is experiencing the blessing in the hand of God. And you know what is sad? This, this, this is the saddest thing for me. Is that we have too many people who just don't believe that that can happen today. Did you hear me? Too many people, they just don't believe that that can happen today. Well, you know, yeah, God added to the church daily then, but he can't do that today. Why can't he? Did he change? Did his power get less? Did his love for souls become less? Did his conviction become less capable of turning hearts. Did, did any of that happen? No. You know what happened? We happened. Yes, I know that's tough. We happened. We become comfortable. And church, we cannot sleep. We cannot be comfortable. You know what the issue is with us? Is that we have learned to sleep with the lights on. What do you mean? See, my wife has got to be pitch black and quiet. If it is not that way, she cannot fall asleep. And you know what the issue is with us Christians is that we've just become accustomed to just having the lights on and just, I'll just sleep, I'm just chilling, I'm good. What light are we talking about? The light of this word, church. The lights blaring us in the face saying, get up grow together, birth my promises, become the same type of people that we find in the book of Acts, not just in the book of Acts, church. Look, there, there. when you look, when you read about revival, and I'm getting ready to close, when you read about revival, you will find when revival took place in Scotland, you read a book, it's called The Welsh Revivals, and he talks about the power of revival within that area. And this is what he says. He says that when God began to move in that place as a result of a church that was committed to the word of God, that was committed to seeking God's face. A gentleman by the name of Evans Roberts was one of the people that was there on his face seeking God, crying out to the Lord. People who, listen, and when, when I talk about prayer church, I'm not talking about 9 o'clock in the morning prayer. I'm, I'm talking about like Brother Josh was talking about. He said that, you know, he was, he was laying down and he woke up because the spirit of God began to pray through him. That that's the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. A people that are available. That, that 9 o'clock in the morning prayer is just an extension of what I've been doing since 3 o'clock in the morning. And so I'm here because I want to continue to pray. That's the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. Because when you read the church history, that's what you find. But the reason why I bring this up is because the glorious payoff and the result is that in that place, they played soccer on Sundays. And you want to know what happened? As a result, soccer is not sin now, but as a result of the, of the people being convicted of their sin, you 
want to know what happened? The, the stadiums were closed on Sundays because no one was going to see soccer because they were going to the house of the Lord. So don't tell me that it is not possible for God to do those same works in our days. Their bars were closing down because people were no longer going and getting drunk. They were seeking God. This is the God that we serve operating a couple of hundred years ago, not thousands of years ago. And he is waiting for a people who will truly be devoted to growing together, who will truly be devoted to saying, God, we want you and you alone. We're not going to make excuses. We want to see your glory in this earth and your power manifested. And we don't just want to see it, but we believe that your word shows us that it can happen. See, because we can cry out all day long and we can beat our chest and we can lose our voice and we can go through all kind of stuff. But if we don't really believe in church, we're never going to birth anything. It's like a woman who doesn't have a baby inside of her womb going to a maternity ward and saying, hey, I want to give birth. To what? It's a waste of time. The doctors would be like, you want to give birth? You're not pregnant. Is that what God Almighty is saying to us? You want to give birth, but you're not pregnant. You're not carrying a burden that is overwhelming. Look, Sister Dawn, they asked a question last night in Covenant Couples. Would it be the perfect Christmas? She's like, if I could just give birth to this baby already. <laughs> Listen, when you and I are really carrying that burden, we just want to give birth to it already. So my question is, what is hindering you from growing together? God's way. Church, if we will grow together God's way, we will see a purified praise. We will all be together in one accord, moving in unison. That's what that word means. It means to rush along in unison. That's what it means that they were in one accord. It's like music. It's got a musical picture to it. Because in music, you play a bunch of different notes, but they blend together. And what happens is when we are unified under the almighty hand of God, he becomes this great composer and he knows how to make a sound the way he wants us to sound. He knows how to take different pieces, different parts, bring them together and use them for his glory. The question is, are we truly available for him to do it? Stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads. I'm not going to do a calling today. I just want you to close your eyes and search your own heart before the Lord because the truth is that we just need to humble ourselves before him. And so if you were convicted by this message.